The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I can promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, I'm pointing a finger, a virtual finger at all of you. Yes, you, I mean you. Now, what in the world is she talking about? Well, let me tell you a little story. Everybody loves storytelling, and I have one for you. Picture this. There's a design thinking training workshop, and everybody is doing really well, or so the instructor thought. And on the third day, one participant, a very smart young man, walks up to the instructor and says, sorry, this isn't for me. I'm leaving the class. And the instructor shaking, turning, shaking his head, scratching his head. What's going on here? What's the problem? And the participant says, well, the quality is good. The pace is good. But this just isn't a good fit for me. It just isn't working for me. So let's step back from this scenario. Creativity, innovation, thinking outside the box. We all know it's supposed to be open to everyone. For this person, however, not so much. So let's talk now about your company's innovation program. If you're answering me and saying, but Bonnie, we don't have an innovation program, I'm saying, listen up, you need one. You should have one. It's a big topic. It's very important. So once we get you on board with knowing that you need one, what should the program be like? Should it be open and broad brush, inviting everybody in, or should it be very selective and very focused? Do you think it's a sprint or do you think it's a marathon? How fast-paced should it be? Let's look at the, com- the the requirements for innovation. You want great innovation that will help your company be sustainable, help you thrive and survive in the long term in a very competitive global marketplace. So do you think that innovation requires inspiration or just good old hard work and perseverance? Do you think your participants need to have the right mindset where you need to qualify them or... Background, knowledge, skills, is that enough? Do you think they need to be isolated in solitude or will group thinking help them think better? Or guess what? Maybe the recipe for success is a little bit of everything. So many questions on the table, and that's why here on Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, we have assembled a panel of experts who are going to help us focus and help you figure out what the world you're supposed to do about innovation. So let me introduce our first panelist. She is Dr. Julia Goga-Cook. Let me spell her last name in case you want to Google her, G-O-G-A hyphen C-O-O-K-E. She leads a company called G Consultancy. That's one word, G Consultancy Innovation. And Julia sent me a quote from one of our favorite sources, Albert Einstein. Wouldn't he blush if he knew how often he's on internet radio with us? And here's the quote. If I had an hour to solve a problem, 
I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about solutions. Wonderful quote. Dr. Julia Goga-Cook, welcome. How are you, Julia? Hi, Bonnie. I'm very well, thank you, and thank you for having me here. We are delighted. I know you have a great background in this. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. But Albert Einstein, how do we put Albert Einstein together with design thinking and innovation and corporate programs? What do you say, Julia? Well, uh, for me, that quote was the first aha moment when I set out to demystify what design thinking and innovation is. And I realized that learning about myself, I was doing completely the reverse. You know, I was spending more time in brainstorming and thinking about ideas rather than about the exploration of the problem. And so learning about myself, but I have seen this also when I work with teams in various companies, in various organizations, and people come and say, oh, gosh, we mortals don't do it like that. We don't Mm -hmm. spend enough time in exploring the problem, asking the questions. And I think that is, you know, one of the very key uh, ingredients, if you like, of innovation and also design thinking skills. So that's why I, I, I love that quote, and I've seen lots of people resonate with that uh, in, in a way that is very insightful. So, um, yeah, that, that is um, why I, I would like to, to bring it in. I, I love the quote too, Julia, and, and very interesting that you talk about the introspection part is look at yourself and think deeply about the problem before you come up with solutions. So it sounds like uh, perhaps going back to my introduction that it's uh, it's a long marathon. It's not a sprint that time is involved and thinking, thoughtful thinking is involved. Julia, any comments before I introduce our second panelist? Any thoughts from you on we talking about how companies should design their innovation program? Do you think it should be selective and focused, or can it be open to everyone, and that a little inspiration will help everyone become a great innovator? What, what's your view from where you sit? I think we are all uh, required to innovate, and innovation is not anymore just the domain of you know, those very clever guys that are in the R&D, the, the way how we used to picture them. Today, you need to innovate if you are in HR, if you are in marketing, if you are in IT. So how do we give people the tools to innovate? Because there is no doubt in anybody's mind that, yes, we need to innovate. We need to bring new ways how to work. But when you ask them, how do you do that? It doesn't go beyond some brainstorms. So giving people the tools, I think, is very, very important in the way how we'd like to see innovation as part of the DNA of an organization so that you can innovate not only in products but also in services and also in the way how we work. Thank you, Julia. And one one more question before I move on. Do you think the idea that somebody comes into a company and they were not told, we're going to put you through a design thinking workshop and we're going to ask you to think creatively and help us innovate, if that is not in their DNA, their background, their training, their history, their work experience, could this frighten somebody off, Julia, or do you think it would be more like, wow, they think I have some creativity in my brain. This is exciting. What do you think, exciting or scary? 
Well, I've met both, uh, Bonnie. I have met people that get very excited at the idea, and this is because they have read about it. They have seen that companies like Apple and Google and P&G, uh, Fidelity, so big companies are using it, and they get excited to learn about it. But I've also met people that say, oh, I'm not a creative person, and why would I need design thinking if I am in the finance department, let's say. Yeah. Um, so they've been both, and... I think language is also very important in how we present the way that design thinking is. So I've had to tweak the language in presenting it to people that have no idea about it as a problem solving, as a way how you can learn some more tools to add to the toolbox that you already are using in order to bring more innovation um, so that you don't scare people. Uh, because I think these are very intuitive tools that anybody can learn and anybody can use. So it's very important also how we present it to people that have got no mm-hmm. experience with them. Thank you, Julia. Very thoughtful answer, and I appreciate that. Great introduction to our topic, and again, welcome to you. And let me bring on our second panelist. Now, this is a work in progress, pronouncing his name. It's Guy Van Weymersch. Let me spell it in case you want to find him online and learn about him. His name is Guy, G-U-Y, Van, V-A-N. That's the easy part. Last name, W-I-J-M-E-E-R-S-C-H. Guy Van Weymersch. I think I have it. He's the design director and director of Strategic Marketing in the Operational and Collaborative Space Department of Barco Industrial and Government. And that's a big business card. And here's the quote Guy sent me. I'm just going to call him Guy. He sent me a quote from Napoleon Hill, an American author in the area of New Thought Movement who lived from 1883 to 1970. And here is the quote. Every mind needs friendly contact with other minds for food of expansion and growth. I love the quote. Guy, welcome. How are you today? Good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on the show also. We are delighted. So talk to me. It's a very interesting quote, and, and it goes along with a lot of what Julia just shared with us. So how did Napoleon Hill, who would probably also be shocked to find himself being quoted in the year 2015 on an Internet-based radio show about Game Changers. So what? how did you pick this quote for today's topic, Guy? Yeah, the, the, the story behind um, actually learning Napoleon Hill is a couple of years ago, 10 years ago, I was let's say, traveling on the Autobahn. Um, and I learned while I was living in, in the U.S. also to actually start reading audiobooks. And I picked up a couple of books from Napoleon Hill, and I was listening into this this book um, and learned about something that he called also masterminds, um, where he actually started talking and interviewing successful people. And he had this concept of a mastermind, and that intrigued me. That intrigued me very well, um, because indeed, it's it's only when you start working with other people, um, either is it going to be a, on a workshop, but definitely also f- for open up yourself to to other people's ideas that you learn um, how to be let's say, absorb and, and, and listen and, and be open for, for new ideas. And that's kind of my view initially on, on, let's say, group thinking or group innovation is that when you open up um, your mind and you really listen to what people are telling you, um, and, of course, if you, you have a specific, um, let's say, um, here, 
learn about uh, the problem they have also, and you can build on what they are saying, you create this type of mastermind. And, and that's where group, let's say, innovation comes also. Um, so listening to Julia, um, it's indeed about um, trying to understand the problem, but also learn to listen and then work together and um, initially also talk about um, how to improve and, and innovate um, as a team. Um, either that team can be a formal team, but can also just be around, uh, people joining um, around the, the coffee bar or, or somewhere in an informal mm. way. Interesting. We used to call that, uh, I think, the water cooler, uh, hanging around the water cooler. Yeah. Guy, very interesting comments. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Julia. Do you think people coming into a company and finding out anywhere from a month to five years into their employment, if anybody stays five years anymore, I don't know, um, do you think if somebody said, well, we're going to put you in a design thinking workshop and we want to see how much creativity you have, do you think that's threatening, frightening, exciting? Does it depend on the personality profile of the person or their manner? Manager, what do you observe? I think it's definitely exciting. I think people need to learn more about what design thinking is about. They should not be afraid of it at all. I know it's putting some people out of their comfort zone, but oh, yeah. um, of course, I think um, if, if, if you, let's say, um, are surrounded in, in, a, in a setting that you can feel safe, that can be create, that can be great things out of that workshop. Um, of course, I'm, I'm, let's say, from, from a technology company, and, and we put, um, let's say, innovation also very high in, in, in our, let's say, expectations. Uh, um, of course, it's an R&D company, but, but um, a couple of years ago, when we had a new CEO, we were thinking about also putting out our values in a more formal way, um, and initially, we left out the value of innovate out of, um, let's say, the formal paper, um, mm. because we said, oh, we are known as to be an innovator already, so why would we put innovate in there? And at the end, uh, with a long discussions with the executive teams, we, the, the, the value of innovate has been put in there again, just for the reason that people that start working for our company know that they are part of the innovation cycle also. So at the end, it's not, uh, let's say, scaring people away to be innovative, but to be part of the innovation. And that's where also um, we have some other things done over the past couple of years that actually open up innovation to all levels of uh, the organization, which is, again, it's, it's sometimes scary for people that they are invited to some of those workshops. Other side, mm-hmm. it's very uh, inspirational also and, and exciting for those people. Thank you so much. Also, very thoughtful answer. Guy, welcome again. Delighted to have you. And let's bring on our third panelist. He is not a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. It's Alejandro Pifare. We decided I would do the French pronunciation. He is the chief principal at the SAP Global Services Innovation Team. And a shout-out to Michelle Serrier, also my best French pronunciation, Michelle, uh, who sponsors this series. And here's the quote from Alejandro. Uh, the quote is from... Uh, 
George Conrad, K-O-N-R-A-D, but if I was going to pronounce it correctly, it probably would be some kind of Russian pronunciation, and the real name is Georgi Conrad, with all kinds of umlauds and accents, a goo, and very interesting spelling, but basically it's George Conrad, who is a Hungarian novelist and essayist known as an advocate of individual freedom. He's born in 1933, and he's still around. Here's the quote. And I'm going to add one word, the word creative, to the front of the quote added by Alejandro. Creative courage is only the accumulation of small steps. I like that. Alejandro, welcome back. How are you? Very well, thank you. Happy to be back here. Thank you. Delighted. So talk to me. Interesting quote. How did Georgi Conrad get on the show? He would. He's around. He's alive. He'd probably be honored. What do you think? took the quote from a book from the Kelly Brothers, from Ideal, uh, Creative mm-hmm. Confidence. But the thing is, I got interested in it is uh, talking about people invited to do innovative stuff. You have somebody mm-hmm. working for 10 years doing re- repetitive work, and suddenly you say, now you are an innovator. You need to change the world. will not happen. People cannot move from one state to the other in seconds. The way you move people to be more innovative, more creative, is step by step. Uh, they do something a bit better, a bit more interesting, and suddenly they get this creative confidence. And when you are there, then they can go along uh, and they can do fantastic stuff. It's for, it's for everybody, but you need to follow the process somehow. Very interesting. So... Yeah, so you're talking more about their style of thinking, their habit of thinking, and small steps. Uh, what is that? Uh, there's an old f- phrase, Alejandro, that's uh, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So you're saying just tackle it in small bites. Uh, do you think that this should be something that's built into, I'll, I'll ask you the question I asked Julia and Guy, in, in an innovation program that a company is designing, should it be presented as we will take baby steps in this process and help to teach each of the participants, no matter what stage you're in of your own concept of design thinking, will take you along the path slowly rather than, okay, you've got 24 minutes to come up with the next great idea or then you're not going to get your raise this year. So should that step-by-step approach be built into the program, Alejandro? I think it's in the core of the design and innovation program. Uh, I think the one thing you can do is make these big announcements that the world will change and the company will change since tomorrow. Uh-huh. Because people are tired of this kind of thing. Will not happen. Let's more, let's go for more, less ambitious goals, but make it happen. A, a, a very effective way of killing innovation is you create, uh, for example, this kind of idea programs. You ask everybody to propose you ideas, and then you mm-hmm. do nothing. This is perfect. So you will kill the whole concept. Very easy. Yes. So you, yes. If you want to launch something and you want to buy people, make sure that you will respond to them, you work with them, and they will get feedback. And uh, this takes time and this takes confidence, this takes trust. At the end, we can say that trust is in the core of innovation. People have to be open. And for that, you need to gain that trust. They will give you the chance, but you need to work on that. 
Great points, Alejandro. I love the concept of trust. Very, very important. Ask people for new ideas and, damn it, do something with them. Honor those ideas. Work with those ideas. Try to fit them in somewhere rather than say, well, that was great, but, you know, we already had something in mind and thanks anyway. Great concept. Listen, I'm going to circle back to Dr. Julia Goga-Cook. Julia, I'm just going to call you Julia from this point forward. And I have a very important question for you, Julia. What are you drinking, right? First of all, where are you calling from? What time of day or evening or afternoon is it? What are you drinking right now? Or what are you planning to drink after the show? Julia? Well, it's 21 past three, Bonnie. I'm in London. And I'm having a cup of Turkish coffee. Ooh. And tell me, is it, it's really, are the little grains uh, in the bottom of the cup? Is it very, you put anything in it or is it just pure? That's the one, yes. That's the one, okay. Well, I, I come from Albania and some of the habits really don't change that much. So I got used to drinking that from when I was very, very young. And I still drink it here. Um, so it's Turkish coffee for me. Now, how do you find Turkish coffee in London at 4 p.m.? It's supposed to be tea time, Julia. Didn't anybody tell you that you're supposed to be drinking tea when in Rome, when in London? Come on. So how do you get Turkish coffee in London at 4 in the afternoon? That I don't understand. I'm teasing you. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I get it at home. You can find anything under the sun in London. It's only mom and dad we say you can find here if you wish. <laughs> uh, so I buy it from the Turkish shops. And it's that fine ground coffee. And um, I've got a little jezve, which is a little pot. It's a copper pot. And you put a spoonful of sugar and a spoonful of uh, coffee and a little bit of water and you boil it. And uh, it's wonderful. Wonderful. And I looked up how to make Turkish coffee and Illy, I-L-L-Y dot com, tells you you have to start with a very fine grind and get a special brass Turkish grinder that creates a powder as fine as confectioner's sugar. That is fine. Thank you very much. There's also a website called INeedCoffee.com that will tell you how to make Turkish coffee. Thank you, Julia. This may be the first time in about 600 shows that anybody has mentioned drinking Tur- Turkish coffee. So thank you for that. You have enlightened us. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Guy Van Weymersch, I think I'm still pronouncing it right. Guy, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? And what are you drinking? Yeah, Bonnie, I'm actually calling from Kortrijk in Belgium. It's about, let's say, 90 kilometers um, west from Brussels, Belgium, uh, close to the French border. It's 4 p.m., also 4.20 p.m. I'm still drinking water, but I plan to have a beer later. Of course, being in Belgium, you have a lot of choices of beers. Huh? So, um, and that's why my preferred drink also after a day of work, initially getting some of the monk beers. Now, um, what kind of beer? What is this? Is this a small brewery beer or something famous? Could somebody find? What is your preference? I have um, the West Mala, which is initially a monk beer, and um, there's also um, the West Flateren. And so, those are really monk uh, beer, still made by monks um, in the local breweries, and and and. I grew up, of course, in a little town um, where there was a a brewery still active. But, you know, I think Belgium is known for the beers, but what usually is not so known is that every beer has its own glass, style of glass. So initially it's a combination of the beer and the glass that actually makes the taste much more 
I fully actually complete. And, and, and that's the interesting part because also I have a lot of friends, designers working into either um, designing glasses for, for the different beer styles. I have never so, heard that. That's a new one for me. So what is it? What is for your favorite beer? What style of glass do you, will you drink it in later? The, the mung beer usually comes in, in um, very tall feet, a foot initially, and then a kind of a full round cup. Um, so it's, it's, it's not the typical beer glass that you have in the U.S. It's a stylish type of a higher glass. Um, closes it a little bit on the top also to keep the, the smells inside the glass also. But you know what the biggest problem is, because every beer has its own glass, it's the storage at home, uh, because you, you don't usually you keep six of those glasses, but then you don't have uh, cupboards enough to put all the glasses in. But, uh, <laughs> you need a separate room for beer glasses, Gee, That's what you need. Correct. You you need yeah. a, a design thinking, design beer thinking. That's what we need. We need a new hashtag on Twitter called design beer thinking. I think that's yes. something we should start right after the show. Let's be innovative and do that. Thank you for the story. It's great. Alejandro Pifare, where are you calling from? What time is it? And what's in your cup? you got two great stories. I'm not going to ask you to top them, but these are wow today. So What's in your cup, Alejandro? And I, I, I wouldn't even try to beat the, <laughs> the glass storage place for a guy, but I'm, I'm in Baden-Baden, the south of Germany. It's a beautiful autumn sunny day. Um, I'm drinking, a, I'm trying to pronounce properly in German, it's after Scholle, which basically means it's very easy, half of apple juice and half of sparkling water. It's not too sweet, is refreshing, easy to drink, and fits very well with a lovely day. So that's my drink. Not something very, special, but very typical from here. Now tell me, you said it's part apple juice, and what's the rest of it? I didn't catch that. What What is in, in the drink? Uh, sparkling water. Sparkly apple juice. So what do we call that? Hmm. Apple sugar. Very interesting. Thank you. So you did come up with a great one uh, as well. There you go. Um, there by you the go. way, if, if, you, if you, they can do here with wine, that can is wine, surely. Uh-huh. Okay. It's, well, it's you, you, have our, you have our permission after the show to add wine to that apple juice and sparkling water. There you go. Thank you, all three of you. As Alejandro knows, and Julia and Guy don't know me, but Alejandro does, they don't let Bonnie have caffeinated beverages on the day of live radio shows. So I've just got a lovely glass of filtered water here. It's cold. It's in a clear, very pretty glass, and I have a green straw, green for let's grow some innovative thinking. I just made that up, but I hope it works. Guess what our topic today is, and we're, we're living our topic, the power of group thinking. That's what we're doing here, the power of group thinking inspiring you to innovate. We're talking about how your company, everybody who listens to us around the world in over 200 countries, regions, and states, your company needs to innovate. How do you do it? Involve your people. Create a program of innovation. Embrace design thinking and stay with us for the rest of this hour and we'll continue to tell you the best way to do that. Our special guests today are Dr. Julia Goga-Cook calling in from London, Guy Van Weymersch calling in from Belgium, and Alejandro Pifare calling from Baden-Baden in Germany. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, based here in New York. We will be right back after the break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Michael out. 
always talking business, talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Let's do exactly that. I'm speaking today with Dr. Julia Goga-Cook, who is with G Consultancy Innovation. That's her company. Guy Van Weymersch, who is with Barco Industrial, and Alejandro Pifare, who is with SAP Global Services Innovation. And our topic today is the power of group thinking inspiring you to innovate. So let's get started with our roundtable segment. We've got about uh, 25 minutes for roundtable, then we'll move quickly into predictions at the end. Julia, I'm looking at the notes you sent me before the show, and let's get down to basics here. Innovation is too important to be left to just R&D. Anybody can become an innovator. And then you add vision alone will not make your company more innovative. So why don't you kick off the roundtable and let's get started. Go ahead, Julia. Right. I don't want to make a mistake and say that R&D is not important. It's extremely important, but it's not enough. Innovation is needed not only for products, but we need innovation more and more these days in the way how we do the services and also in the way how we work. And that means that innovation gets out of the R&D. The other thing what I meant by that is that people that work in the R&D, however smart people we recruit, um, there are always smarter people outside. So how do we make it in a way that we attract the thinking of other people who are not part of our company. And this is where open innovation methods come uh, quite a lot and open innovation networks come into play. Now, what I mean um, uh, when I say that uh, anybody can become an innovator, I look here for especially people that are in HR, in strategy, uh, who don't usually think that, the processes that the design thinking or innovation uses uh, are very much geared towards the analytical ones that they are used to use. Mm-hmm. And the way how I see the use of design thinking is not that you throw away the tools that you are already using, all those two-by-twos and all those PowerPoints and all those analytical tools that you already have on your desk. But how can you add 
some more tools where you bring the creativity, when you bring the empathy, when you bring the observation, and make use of these tools in combination with the ones that you have. And by doing that, you start innovating or looking for things which probably were there and you were not noticing. Uh, You start connecting the dots. You start uh, looking for things which the customer really needs. And Mm -hmm. you just bring the innovation on. But I have seen in different companies that um, the CEO may have had quite a big vision about being innovative and himself, herself, being a very innovative person and then getting very frustrated that I have been speaking for a whole year in the agenda about innovation. Why isn't it happening? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things there that need to be put in place. And Alejandro spoke about the way how we step-by-step create that type of learning in the organizations. But also, how do people create that creative confidence, which cannot be done only by workshops? And, you know, the way how I see it in those programs, because innovation skills are like sports skills. You use them or you lose them. And this is how... Um, I see the importance of having innovation coaching, of having processes which are um, adopted and made use of. And it's a whole way in order that you can create a culture of innovation. So just the vision is not enough. You need to create processes. And by those processes and practices, people start using them so it becomes a behavior. And then it turns into the thing where people say, this is how we do it in our organization. And that is culture. Culture is not something which is mystical. Uh, but changing it, it needs all these elements. And the organizations that have really found the key to doing it are the ones that are in the vanguard. Julia, very interesting. Your, your term, creative confidence, I like that. That is, is that confidence in, I, I don't want to derail this conversation because I want to get Guy and, and Alejandro. Let me just stop there. I love that, that concept and I'm tweeting it right now so we can use that to uh, talk about later. Guy, thoughts on what Julia just shared? What do you observe? Yeah, this is Guy. Julia, I mean... Your first line, I agree 100%. Uh, um, again, being a technology-driven, let's say, or innovating company from the beginning, um, we always intend to see that uh, inside R&D, um, innovation needs to happen. Um, but, but it's clearly that um, the last years, initially, um, the last 10 years even, in, inside our company, we we don't leave it only to R&D anymore. It's, it's, um, there is, there is a, a book out there from Larry Keeley, 10 Types of Innovation, that explains those different types of innovation that can happen. Um, and there are two components, which is product innovation and service innovation, but all the rest um, that, that could sit in within R&D. But also there, you can have input from, from different users, internal users, but there is much more related to how people are connecting with the customers, how branding will be done, and, 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 and even how processes will be run to, to improve and to innovate there. Um, <clears throat> just a step further, what, what, what we're trying to build inside um, our company is, is entrepreneurship. Um, because innovation, um, to be clear, clear about innovation, it's not coming up with creative ideas. And it's, it's 
having those creative ideas and do something with it. And that's where entrepreneurship um, and the skill of, of, of being an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur um, is, is very much teached uh, so that people that have good ideas really take it on and do something with it. Um, and that's where, indeed, innovation is much more broader, um, much more, let's say, beyond what R&D can provide inside your, your innovation solutions um, and, and will sit within the whole culture and, 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 and corporation. So I think there it's um, very important to, to create this environment also where people can step up as an innovator or at least mm-hmm. um, be heard also as, as an innovator. Gee, interesting, the idea of taking responsibility and being given responsibility and the trust in the person who comes up with the idea. Very interesting. Alejandro, we have to get your thoughts on this. We've got a lot on the table here. What do you see? I think the, the, the risk of having innovation in, in some particular department or in a group of people is like putting the topic in a, in a pedestal and it's, not, it's out of reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like more the, the idea that innovation can be happening in any place. And, and people feel that they can change. If innovation is only big stuff, innovation is only a complete new business model or a complete new product or a, or a, a new market, it's just for a few to make that call. If innovation is working every day a bit better, anybody can do it. And you, it's like an implicit invitation uh, for everybody. Uh, we, can, we need to forget, uh, we will love everybody to be innovated, but the company has mm-hmm. to be running. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to be doing the hard stuff, keeping the lights on, moving the wheels, whatever. The, the key point is these people that are managing the company and paying the bills, if they want and if the, the, the culture allows them, they can be innovative in their own uh, area too. And if you can, can imagine if in a company, I know, 10,000 people, every person, time to time, is looking for doing something better, the effect could be dramatic. Not even if you don't create any new magic thing anyway. Mm-hmm. The effect of everybody thinking for better, that could be a extremely strong driving force. And again, Alejandro, the idea of empowerment and giving people the responsibility and the opportunity to do this. How do you say that to your employees? How do you say, we want you to think better? We want you to think outside the box. We want you to think creatively while we're keeping the company running and providing the services and products our customers need and innovating. That's a lot to put on people's plates. Does it work? You don't say. You just do it. Ah, okay. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Can I, Donnie, can I just... Yeah, yes, every, every executive Gee. manager. Yeah, Guy, yeah. jump in. Go ahead, Guy. Yep. Yeah, because because um, I, I hear what, what Alejandro was saying and, and your question about how do you do this. This is what, what we're trying to do and what we do a lot is initially you have different departments and different departments... Sometimes they, they, especially in bigger enterprises, they tend to work in, in silos or, or just have input and output. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't see the problems that the people that they need to get input from 
um, what the problems are of those people, right? So, so you need to also have a culture of, of, of people talking to each other and, and, and also learn from each other what they are struggling with. And some of, even some of that exchange can bring some innovations on the table, um, how to process a certain, um, let's say, yeah, things better or, or whatever. So I think, I think that's definitely needed. So you have this open conversation and, and, and understanding on, on how the whole company works. And the mm-hmm. other part, and that's back to the second point from, from Julia, is initially the vision. Okay, vision alone will not make the company more innovative, uh, innovative, but it is needed because that vision has to be out there so people, at least from the company, they know what they're innovating for. So I think that's, that's still a very important uh, element in, in the whole innovation within inside a company. Thank you. Julia, jump in. We're talking about you. What do you think? Well, I cannot agree more, really. Uh, first, I will say with Guy, when you say that we need to get ourselves out of the silos, and this is not easy, this is difficult. Um, mm-hmm. We all talk about collaboration, and collaboration these days is not anymore a thing that it's good to have. It has become a core capability. And when we're talking about you know, bringing people together, it's bringing people together with a purpose, and mm-hmm. that type of diversity is so important in innovation because otherwise, you know, we have been talking today about group think. We, we also run the risk of creating a group thinking where people work together day in, day out. They start thinking the same. And unless you bring a diversity when you are bringing out new ideas, you will not have much new ideas. And this diversity, what, what we see, uh, sometimes is confused or confounded with, you know, uh, political inclusiveness. It, it's far beyond that. I mean, it, it's not uh, so much just having more women or having more ethnicity. It's having more functions, more knowledge, different and different generations. Um, and, and as we see now, we are... We have never before have been working in cohorts that are made up of four generations. And mm-hmm. this is a big, big change in the way how teams are going to be working and trying to understand the dynamics and trying to build on a rich mix that this dynamic can bring is really very, very important for innovation. So um, the silos, yes. Um, and, of course, you know, Alejandro is he, um, so right when he says that it has to be step-by-step, step and you have to start with small things and small steps, which sometimes goes counter to what business managers you hear saying, that you think big. Don't waste your time on small things. Let's think big. If it's worth doing, let, let's get it. Otherwise, not. And this is also where, you know, the design thinking uh, gives you those types of learning that unless you start with the small steps, see some change, iterate, and bring some more, and then scale it, it's, it's impossible to bring the big change immediately. Like, you know, who would have, uh, for example, believed that Airbnb would become this much, this big, or mm-hmm. Uber would become like that? So they all started small and then uh, scaled and became bigger, or eBay, or Facebook. I remember when Facebook came, and I was at the BBC at the time, well, we journalists really looked at it with, oh, my God, you know, what is that? 
And who can ignore Facebook today? That's right. Dis- and with disruption, we're we're also introducing the concept of disruption. What you've just talked about, Julia, these are disrupting either ways of thinking or culture and or industries have been disrupted by people who have that vision and think outside the box and are not afraid. They're fearless. They're brave. Is that another component, Julia? They're fearless in saying, I have a new idea. I'm going to do everything I can to make it work and bring it to the world. Is that another component of design thinking is fearlessness? Anybody? It Julia is part Ga- of the mindset to be mm-hmm. courageous to take, to try out. Yes. Uh, but we always use other people's money to, to innovate, <laughs> you know, if you are not doing that in your own company. So that fear and the tolerance of failure is, again, an, another another key element in the innovation as a hindrance because that keeps us really back from trying out. Um, yep. And I, I suppose this is, you mentioned at the beginning how, how important storytelling is, and this mm-hmm. is one of those elements that telling the stories of the change that you bring with those uh, little steps and those benefits that you bring, I think can help uh, to de-risk the risk and also take some more calculated risk because really nobody likes failure. That's true. And what do they say? Fail fast, fail off. And Julia, thank you. I'm going to move ahead with some notes from Guy Van Weymersch. Guy, I have, have your notes in front of me. Mm-hmm. Some interesting concepts here. First of all, you brought up an African proverb. I'm just going to toss it out. We won't talk about it because it goes to our theme today of group thinking. You say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, Go together, the power of group thinking. Now let's move ahead. You say, I believe we are creating ideas enough. It's about making these ideas tangible and being honest and open to break them. Use them as if they're already out there. And here's the key, Guy. You say, even competitors should see them. Wow. Whatever happened to NDA, non-disclosure agreements? How many lawyers make their living writing NDAs? And how many people sit down at business meetings, Guy? and have mm-hmm. to sign in blue ink, I will not talk about this idea we are discussing today. So this is, to me, this is courageous, what you said. Even competitors should see them, use them as if they're out there. You've got to discuss this. Guy, go ahead. I'm so excited. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the idea, and I know I'm putting myself here on, on, on a risky surface here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we have... Oh yeah, we have, we have also the lawyers <laughs> there, but but the, the thing is that indeed, and um, it's going back to to the, the fail early and 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 having touch points related to um, do a, I, is the innovation there? Does it make sense? Um, do I need to? I, I need to test it somehow. Um, and 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 of course. Um, some of the concepts you can always test outside, and it's always good to have then your competitors listening to and 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 if they're smart, they see through it. Usually, they 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 they, have, they will react on it somehow, and it's your it's that reaction that you expect also to to learn from, um, because it's it's the it's for the long run, right? Um, you, you're going to innovate for the long run, so you have to be ahead all the, all the time of your competitors, and, and you hope by um, actually you're sure by by being innovative that you're going to be ahead. Um, and, and you see, it's like playing chess. 
you, 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 you're, you're predicting your two, uh, three uh, moves ahead, um, and that's what you have to do also. And the only you can do and anticipate is indeed touching, touching what um, the market's touching uh, the surface to really grasp, and, and, and that in the market, and that involves com- competitors. Um, there is, there is the, the sense also of competition at a certain point. Um, it's, it's coming together, and, and at a certain point, uh, you, you were perhaps competitors, but it could be that in the future you, you, you're going to be partners. Um, the world is changing so fast that, that ah. you never know where those uh, technologies and, and innovations will bring you. Um, and that's a little bit where, where the interesting part comes in the whole innovation cycle as it, as it happens now. Uh, there is so much ongoing, um, and there are indeed so many small companies suddenly been disruptive for, 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 for companies like, like us. I mean, a company of 80 years old is already seen as an incumbent, but somehow we have to refresh ourselves, and that's why we're changing all the mm-hmm. time and, and, and being ahead of com- competitors also. Um, and that's where you also touch the, those and feel those waters. Um, so it's it's initially about um, again to the same comment. Innovation is not only about creating ideas; it's really to take the ideas and run with it and test it and and and, and not to and going back to the fear factor, not to be mm-hmm. afraid to 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 fall on your face, huh? to to really fail there. Because that's where you learn from. It's not about learning and, and doing it the right time. Um, right. That you that you next time will do the same things again and again. Good point. We fail p- very publicly now with social media. If you advance an idea and it makes it to the world stage and people hear about it and you fail, they hear about that too. But maybe that's part of the group thinking, group learning process. Alejandro, I want you to comment, but we're running really tight on time. We're almost ready. We're actually ready now for predictions. But I want to bring in one comment here from your notes I think is very important, Alejandro. You say, too much freedom in terms of innovation, design thinking, too much freedom and people get lost, too much constraint and you can suffocate them. And you add to find the right balance is more of an art than a science. And Alejandro suggests a coach facilitator with a seniority role is key to finding this balance. Alejandro, give me two sentences on this and then we must go into our predictions. What are your thoughts quickly, Alejandro? It's exactly related to this small step. You can give the people the task that they can handle. Uh, If the task is too big or too broad, they will not have to find a way. Uh, on the other side, if the, if the challenge is too minimal for the capabilities, it's going to be boring. Mm-hmm. And, and as I was telling before, it's not a formula. It's not engineering. Uh, it's, it's like pick, uh, picking the right title for a book or, or, or making the script for a movie. It's, it's, not, it's not talent, but you need to as a coach, you need to learn to find the, 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 the right point for motivating and keep, um, keeping people interested. And that is quite a big deal. I always say that when you're a coach, uh, the most important part happens before the workshop, is designing mm-hmm. the workshop. 
Thank you. And guess what? It's time for our predictions round. I have 60 seconds for each of you. Our topic today was and still is the power of group thinking, inspiring you in capital letters to innovate. Dr. Julia Goga-Cook. Julia, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Predict the year 2020 or any time before or after. What will be different if we met again at some point in the future? When and where and what's going to be different? Julia, 60 seconds. Go. Uh, what I hope it will be different, Bonnie, it will be that in five years from now, uh, I would love to see that all MBA courses have included design thinking in their curriculum, and also that the companies have included entrepreneurship and design thinking processes as part of their induction programs or orientation programs that they have. So giving people the tools to go and solve problems in innovative ways. That's my prediction. Wow, that was a good one. I'm tweeting that already. That was fantastic. Thank you very much, Julia. I like that a lot. And Guy Van Weymersch, I have really done well with your name, Guy. We got to say that. I've been been very, very tough on myself here. Guy, 60 seconds predictions. What do you think will be different and how far in the future can you look ahead? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie, for trying so hard to keep my last name <laughs> saying right. Um, actually, Julia, Julia stole my points already because now no. I believe also. I mean, I, just the thing that I, I don't hope. I'm sure that every MBA and every um, student in, in in business will learn design thinking. It becomes such a hot thing that everybody in five years will be aware of what design thinking is about. Um, what's the next step that I will see changing also is that it's going to be further democrat, what I call democratization of innovation. So that means that people, everybody will, will become an innovator. Um, every small one person company to large company will be part of an innovation platform. And they're going to be brokers and curators of innovation around. Um, it's going to be more global. I mean, we all learned about or read the book, The Flat Worlds. I think also with all the online tools, the collaboration tools, processes, there will be actually um, design thinking workshops online possible, of course. And I know that Alejandro will probably now step up because in a room there's a certain chemistry, but I think in five years there will be tools out there also that type of chemistry can be built up even in a virtual environment so people will start and even be, let's say, more diverse. We talked about diversity and the need of diversity in innovation. I think the platforms will be out there to, to have that diversity even to the extension of a global platform to start innovating and do design thinking workshops in a virtual setting. So Thank I think you, it's Keith. about improvement in tools and resources. Everybody understands the innovation and design thing at that time. It's going to be on how we're going to do it and who, who will be part of it. Terrific. And I hope you all will be. Alejandro, I saved you 30 seconds for predictions. Got to go fast. Go ahead. Easy. If a normal company today, 10% of the people is doing innovation and the all 90% is doing uh, operations, my wish is 10 years from now, half of the company will be doing operation and half of the company will be innovating all the time. That should be a much more fun world. Wow. And Alejandro, will you hire, 
Is that is that unbelievable, Alejandro? Will you hire people who have the innovation DNA, or will you have to have to coach and create and nurture them? Yes, yes or no? Will you have to no, hire people who are innovative? When, when you reach at that when you reach at that point, everybody's going to be doing both. They're going to be working and innovating at the same time. Half of the time doing the stuff, half of the time doing new stuff. That should work. Wow! It's going to be a wow. very interesting world. It would be a very interesting world indeed. And this has been a very interesting conversation. I can't say thank you enough to Dr. Julia Goga Cook. Julia, such a pleasure to meet you and have you on and go drink that Turkish coffee. Guy Van Weymersch, now I'm an expert in your name at Barco. Guy, great thoughtfulness. Thank you so much. Alejandro Pifare, always a pleasure. Michelle Serrier and Ozzy Olmez at SAP. Thank you so much for putting together this wonderful panel. I've already tweeted to Michelle that he invite you invite you back for part two and if he doesn't I will so there I'm Bonnie D. Graham and I have a call to action for all of our listeners fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for I usually say go out and be a game changer today but now I'm going to say go out and be an innovative design thinking out of the box brave risk taking thoughtful and smart innovator game changer today there you go we'll talk to you soon take care bye bye Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.